0: Well, believe it or not, uh, we are finishing out our teaching series, Finding Way Back to God. And this series comes out of Luke 15, which Jesus tells a parable. And I've been saying this the last, uh, well, since week one, that a parable is an art form in public speaking. It's what we would call a story that uh, someone tells, namely Jesus in the New Testament, the Gospels to help a top-shelf idea, a really complex idea, and through storytelling or parables, brings it at a level that we can understand and that we can grasp. Sometimes religion and religious people like to keep God at a distance so they can control you. I don't know if you know that or not. It happens, unfortunately, a lot. And so Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son for two reasons— one reason is whether or not you ever become a Christian uh, in your life here on earth or not, he tells a story because everybody in their life will ask. I mean, you, you don't get to go to the grave without asking this, even for a second, you, even if you blow it off. Everyone asks the question, is there actually a God? Like, is that a thing or is it not? And the second uh, question or statement we think, whether you're religious or not, it doesn't matter. You've thought it or will thinking at some point, is if there is a God, could I actually have a relationship with Him? Despite everything I've heard in social media, the news, you know, certain people are allowed in, certain people are not allowed in. If I want to have a relationship with God, can I have one? And so with these two questions in mind, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son to emphatically say, yes, humanity can have a relationship with this big concept, top shelf idea called God, And you can actually find your way back to God. And the way we find our way back to God in this story is through five awakenings. I don't know if you remember these, but I'll just recap. The first one is awakening to longing. We've all asked the question is there more to life? Again, doesn't matter if you're religious or not in this room. Everybody asks this question is the sum total of my life, my family, my money, Um, what I'm interested in, my kids and my hobbies, or is there something more? And the prodigal son asked this very question, and he went to his father. uh, Remember, this is a parable. This didn't happen. It's just a story. And he said, Dad, I know that I, I get my inheritance when you die. Since I can't kill you and I don't like prison and prison mates, can you just give me my money now? Effectively, the prodigal son was saying in Jewish culture, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now so I can go see if, if there's more. Now, now, now think about this. This dude would have been like a trust fund kid. His dad was a millionaire. He ha- he'd never wanted anything in his life, right? Any Apple product that was released, he's the first kid that everyone hates because he gets that product. And yet, and yet, he asked this question, is there more to life? Wow, even in a very privileged society like America, a wealthy country, we still have people asking, is there actually more to this life? In the second awakening we talked about, if you remember the awakening to regret, that regret is actually a gift because regret helps us to come to our senses. And the prodigal son unfathomably tried to uh, get on a pig farmer's farm to eat with pigs. Now, I don't know if you know this about Jewish culture, but the Jews in the first century did not eat pork, let alone get on their hands and knees and eat with pigs, right? They, they would never do that. And all that to say was, When we walk away from God, we do things that we never thought we would do because we didn't think we would be such in a dire situation. So here you got a trust fund kid, daddy makes millions of dollars, and now he walked away and he's eating with pigs. And so if we said that if we don't awaken to regret and come to our senses, we're gonna get stuck in this sorry cycle, right? What, this constant negative, like I'm not good enough, I'm a terrible man, terrible woman, uh, <clears throat> I'm a terrible father, husband, sibling. I mean you, you know you know this. I'm preaching to everybody in here, right? Doesn't matter if you're religious or not, we all have these tapes played in our head. And depending on whether or not you're healthy internally and spiritually and emotionally, determines how long you will allow them to play in your head. And so the prodigal son said, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go home and just work in the kitchen or cut the grass or whatever. And so he goes home and week three, we talked about awakening to help, right? The first step in AA is what? Admitting that you're powerless to do anything on your own. And the greatest lie we believe in this world is that life is a story about us well we're the main character and the prodigal son had to realize that i actually need help and last week we talked about that moment when the son embraced the father awakening to love and not only did the father take his son back his the father kind of ignored the son when the son was like, Dad, oh man, I screwed up. You ever been there? Sure you have. I, I know it's supposed to be home at 1 o'clock, but it's 1.30 in the morning. And the father ignores the son and says, hey, be quiet. Hey, my son's alive. I thought he was dead. Find the biggest animal and kill that thing. We're going to have a feast. And so today we're going to talk about, finish out the series, Awakening to Life real living, not religion that keeps us all nice and eating our khaki pants and our button-up shirts. See, I'm not religious. And and makes us makes us fall in line where we're really good, which we're starting another series in Galatians next Sunday, commercial, where we're really good at obeying rules, but we never really know God. We're really good at like behavior, but we never feel comfortable actually being ourselves in front of the Lord. So today we're going to talk about awakening to life and what the prodigal son did after uh, he came home. And so we're going to, in just about 20 minutes or so, experience uh, folks that have awakened to life and found their way back to God, and they're going to express that publicly in baptism. And something that we're going to do new at RCC is we're just going to ask if, if you want to be baptized uh, t- to capture your story in a video so that we can share that with other people. And what I have found is that when my friends are on the line about getting baptized, usually it's seeing another friend or a family member and seeing their story and saying, you know what, if they did it, I know they love me. <laughs> I, I feel comfortable around them. It's time for me to do it as well. So here's a video of some of the eight people that have been or will be baptized today.
1: My name is Heather Karen. I've been coming to RCC for almost a year now. I felt that I wanted to get baptized, number one, for, it's because it's the next step, um, number two, I am looking forward to being a group leader, and I felt that being a group leader, um, I should get baptized and be part of the church, Um, and lastly, um, what Jesus means to me. Um, Jesus means a lot to me, family, love. Um, I lost my dad four years ago, and I was pretty lost, so I started coming here about a year ago. The church family and the people that I know that come here um, have helped me through it. So that's what Jesus is. Jesus is family and love for me. Hi. My name is Josh Dubois. I'm 14. I go to Dracon High School. And I've been going to Rockingham Christian Church for over 10 years now. The reason that I want to be baptized is because there was an issue at school with some kids. Um, So I turned to God. Um, I was not originally a believer, but when I prayed, He answered these prayers, causing me to start believing. Um, and I realized that being baptized will change my perspective of everything. Um, what I think God is, is that I think He is someone that you can rely on, someone that will answer your prayers, and that. He will always be there for you, no matter what you think. My name is Denise Lafond, and I've been coming to RCC now for least six months in June. And they said, what does Jesus mean to me? Jesus is my salvation, my peace, and I want to get closer to him. I've decided to come have baptismal this Sunday. I haven't been going through a lot of things during my life where I was mad, angry, disappointed at the Lord for things that have been happening to my children, to me, my marriage, and during the series that we've had here in the past two weeks of how to ask God for help and come back to God it's woken me up and I've had an experience that was very uplifting and I come to realize during the services when Ben was speaking it was like God was speaking to me he was looking right at me and I realized then he didn't abandon me I abandoned him and I need him more now and I'm feeling closer and the trust again and I want to be baptized and walk the journey with God
0: Hi, I'm Sophia Convey. I've been going to RCC for about nine years now. Um, I'm getting baptized because this is my choice and my commitment to God
1: and Jesus, my promise to follow them for the rest of my life. Um, Jesus is my Savior. He's walked me through my entire life,
0: and I'm really grateful for Him. Isn't that... Isn't that incredible? I, I love what the Lord is up to here at, at RCC. And what I love about the baptisms you're going to see, I'm not doing any of them. Because the people that you're g- going to see get baptized uh, is through the means of discipleship. Other people investing in their friends and saying, hey, are you ready to be baptized? I would love to to baptize you. That that's the mission of Jesus never baptized anybody in his life. So I just want to be like Jesus. And, and still in our church, it's you investing in other people and in turn getting the privilege to invest in them because you have that relational equity built into that relationship. Hey, in John 10:10, 10, 10, Jesus said, Hey, I'm gonna throw my ring, uh, I'm gonna throw my, my hat in the ring, and and I'm gonna define what life is. Okay, so here's another shot that I don't care if you're religious this morning or you've never been been to church or you've been to church your whole life. Everybody has to define the purpose and meaning of life. And so in John ten ten, Jesus says, here's my, here, here's my shot at it. See, there's a thief that's going to come and destroy your life. Whatever you think is life, there, there, there is enemy, there's opposition, You can call it the devil in the first century. Literally, Jesus was uh, throwing shade at the Pharisees, but we don't have Pharisees here uh, at RCC, I I don't think, at least. Uh, So there's things that will come in opposition to whatever you think is life, and then the second part of that statement is, but I've come to give you life, and to give you life in the fullest, or the full, or more abundant, depending on what you know, what translation, or if you're old school and you got King James, it's just add the th at a at the end of every word, right? So Jesus says, Here, here's my shot, here's my shot at what uh, life is actually about. So when we when we hear the phrase abundant life, we're Americans. So we think, oh, that means more of something, right? So we think of uh, life in terms of quantitative. That when Jesus gives us life, all those preachers on TV means we're never going to have cancer. We're going to live to be 150, which would be dreadful, I think. Uh, we're going to do all these things. Life is going to be amazing, right? So so when Jesus says, "I'm going to give you more uh, abundant life," that must be that must mean more life. And, and we, if you think about this, we all want more of a rich and satisfying life. We all want more money in our bank account. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah. Y'all need to start giving more money. No, I'm kidding. Um, We want more satisfying relationships, and we want more beach vacations. Yes, come on now. I'm a a Colorado uh, Rocky Mountain kind of guy, but after this, you know, little winter, I know it was weak. I'm ready for the beach. Now, if you think about it, even marketing they, they, they capitalize on our false idea. I would say, uh, if I could humbly, uh, that that we want more. You get 25% more Doritos when you buy it in the jumbo bag, right? At least they did in Colorado. I'll just leave that there. Uh, you get more cash back if you use this type of credit card, and you get more frequent flyer miles if you fly on these dates. In other words, friends, we connect fullness of life with more, of our, with more in our lives. We think that when Jesus is talking about life, he's talking about bios, where we get the word biology, which means our natural uh, life here on earth. That, that when Jesus talks about life, he's talking about what we're seeing and experiencing right now, our bios life. I don't know if you know this or not. I saw this on the internet, so you can you know, imagine if it's right or not. But the average bios life includes 250,000 hours of sleep, uh, 76,000 meals, and 200,000 trips to the bathroom. So according to this, you're either pooping or sleeping. And depending on what you eat, Chipotle or Taco Bell, you may be doing <laughs> one more than the other. Relax. You can laugh. This is church. Calm down. Take your religion and go home. But Jesus wasn't talking about quantity of life. And so a lot of us leave the church. We get ticked off at God when, when, our, when, our, when our kid gets creamed in a car wreck and dies. We get ticked off when someone we love gets cancer at 35. We get ticked off when we struggle with infertility and four days later our, our beautiful baby boy or girl dies. And, and we have all of these questions that, that we thought that life was all about more. And, and I don't mean to minimize those things because pain is really the biggest question more than any intellectual question that keeps people away from God. But, but even to walk away from God in pain and claim, claim atheism Like, still doesn't change the fact that you still have to walk through your pain and make sense of it. So, claiming that God doesn't exist in your pain, you still have to, okay, that's fine, but you still have to deal with that. And so, a lot of people get hurt and broken because the quantity of their life, the more part about their life wasn't met to their standards. But Jesus isn't talking about bios life, He's talking about a Greek term in the New Testament called zoe kind of life. It's not quantity of life that Jesus gives us, but it's quality of life that Jesus gives us. It's this life in the New Testament in the Gospels that <clears throat> he would later describe as eternal life or everlasting life. It's a life that never ends. See, in Luke 15, 11 through 24, the end of the parable of the prodigal son, the father, Jesus is saying, the father says, Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead, but now he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Here's here's why you care about this, okay? Uh, In the beginning of the story in Luke 15, the son says, Dad, I wish you were dead because I want your money. Uh, That's gutsy. Uh, Give me my share of the estate. In the Greek, the word estate means bios. You see, the son thought that, quality of life was in his quantity of life. And man, as Americans, we know that consumption (laughs) always doesn't bring happiness and joy, does it? But notice what the father says when the son comes home. He says, my son was dead, and now he's alive again. See, here's the deal, friends. If you're unfamiliar with Jesus and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus never calls you a Christian or a non-Christian. That term wasn't around then. He either says you're dead or you're alive. And the father says, my son, he was dead, but now he's alive again. What word do you think he used, bios or zoe? The word he used was zoe, Z-O-E. You see, the father had to, and I'm not a parent. uh, I've been on the prodigal son end of things. I've, I've run my head into multiple walls more than I care to admit. You see, the father wasn't crazy. He wasn't stupid. Even though Dr. Phil and all the parenting blogs would light him on fire for giving, you know, five hundred thousand, a million dollars for the son to go out and blow on women, whiskey, and whatever country song you know you do when you're, you know, running away from your parents. Not that I listen to country music, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Um, so the father, <laughs> the father, oh, man, I love Dave Olson. I just want, just want to stop and enter- I want to stop and entertain that, but I won't. Okay. Uh, I won't. Uh, I will later. Maybe I should be a comic, and then I'd go after him. <laughs> so the, fa- the father says, my, my son was dead. Now he's Zoe. In other words, son, you had to go your own way. See, you thought you were playing me. You thought life was all about you, right? And so I, I had to teach you a lesson about what life is about, and you weren't going to listen to me, right, men, until you ran your head into a wall, right, ladies? We're both stubborn, And so what the Father says is you finally realized that life is not about consuming or the quantity of your life, but it's actually about the quality of your life. And that's what eternal life is about. That's what salvation is about. That's what this abundant life that Jesus is offering us today and is offering all the uh, eight folks that are getting baptized. See, sometimes we look at Jesus and what he says, and we, we just assume through culture we know what he means. But but Jesus isn't offering us to live a long time. He isn't offering us that we're going to be cancer-free. He isn't offering us that we're going to be, you know, free from the burden of infertility when all of our friends are having babies. He's not offering us that, you know, we're never going to lose our job or lose our friends or, or be bad. He's offering us a quality of life in those moments of suffering, in those moments of betrayal, in those moments of divorce, That that while we might not have all of our questions answered, God's presence loves, loves to fill those spaces in our lives. That's the quality of life that the Father is celebrating. So, the son is going to wake into a life. What does that mean for who? Who cares? Why do you care about that? Because it's a really big deal here at RCC. We like to party. We like the nightlife. We like the boogie. We like to have fun. Okay, and so there's three different ways the father. If you're new, I know you're never coming back, but pl- <laughs> give it a shot. There's three different ways that the father celebrates the son that we can celebrate. This we could celebrate those that step into life with Christ. The first one is celebrate. We party at the lost and found. Alright, look, I've been here seven months, long enough to know that you guys are really good at sports, but I, but, but I think, I think, don't, don't shoot me, I'm a Bengals fan, I think it's worth celebrating more when someone's baptized than winning the Super Bowl, I, I, maybe, I don't know, I don't know, I've never, I've, never, I've never done that, the Bengals have never won a Super Bowl, so what do I know? See, in Luke 15, there's three different stories. We just we just focused on one, where something's lost and found. A shepherd lost a sheep. In Luke 15, 6, Jesus says, he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. A woman lost some money, and Jesus says, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In Luke 15, 23, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. Let's have a feast and celebrate. The son of mine was dead, but now he's Zoe life. He's found Quality of life. He was lost, and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. You see, friends, in Psalm 149, God says the Lord takes delight in His people. He is for you more than you honestly are for yourself, and He's for you more than whatever religion or church you went to that was boring, irrelevant, and full of full of uh, uh, laws and rituals that you had no idea, but you knew that you'd be slapped by your mom if you asked questions. Secondly, there's connection. We discover we're better together. I I received an email from someone that's new to RCC this week. They said, I've been attending RCC since November, and I've really been enjoying the church. I've just joined a life group, and I'm going to start serving in the nursery. Thanks for making RCC so welcoming. This is what happens when a church is alive, when a church is on mission, when a church doesn't come for themselves, but comes a little early to intentionally seek out people that are new here. And lastly, we can contribute. We find Our part in God's dream. That the whole the whole time we were wondering, the whole time we were eating with the pigs, going through divorce, trying to pay down our credit card debt, struggling with infertility, wrestling with cancer treatments. God wanted us to know that we are loved by Him and we get to be part of His dream. And His dream in the Gospels is called the Kingdom of God. And we're gonna celebrate that here in just a moment. I'm gonna pray. Uh, I'll pray for a while to give you guys an opportunity to head back to the lobby to change. And then uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a worship song, share communion, and celebrate some baptisms, okay? Let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for an incredible day to celebrate what you're up to. Uh, We thank you for the men and women that have been sensitive to your spirit, to want to be baptized. This is your decision. This isn't some religion making them do it. Uh, This is just sheer discipleship wanting to follow you. And we thank you for the men and women that have stepped out in faith and said, you know what? I'm ready to go public and identify with the mission of God, the dream of God, the kingdom of God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.